Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. The addition of John Stevens should help the VGK defense this upcoming season. Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco, along with Chris Golick. You are listening to Locked On Vegas Golden Knights. You could find us on Twitter at Locked On VGK, myself at Tony Dasco, Chris Golick at TD Chris G. And thanks for making Locked On Golden Knights your first listen each and every day. It is free and available wherever you get your podcast. Chris, I hope that you had an enjoyable July 4th weekend. So you went out and caught some races this uh, past weekend at the Speedway. It's nice. That's so American of you. Yeah, definitely a nice, uh, fun weekend. Uh, we were watching some soccer on Saturday downtown with some fireworks and Sunday uh, up to the bull ring for some races with uh, more fireworks. And last night, more fireworks. And you know, it was actually crazy right behind my house out here in Henderson, it's not Black Mountain, but there's another spot you can go up and get a whole panoramic view of the valley. I have never seen so much money being lit on fire at once. Dear God. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and did fireworks, the price of fireworks with inflation must have gone up this year, too. And thanks for keeping me awake, fireworks, all night, all damn night. Hey, yeah, you know what, Chris? We didn't get much of an opportunity last week to talk about the addition of John Stevens as an assistant coach for the Vegas Golden Knights under Bruce Cassidy. You know, I still don't know why VGK retained the holdovers, Ryan Craig, Misha Donskoff, Kelly McCrimmon also kept, uh, he kept those two coaches. He kept Mike Rosati, kept Mike Rosati, who is now the goaltending manager under Sean Burke. And so now we have Stevens, John Stevens, who replaces two coaches, actually, Steve Spott, who recently signed with Pete DeBoer in Dallas, and Ryan McGill. And the thing that we know about John Stevens, his structure is all about defense. We know that he will shore up the VGK defense. Stevens was an assistant to Rick Bonus, assistant coach in Dallas for the past three years. He's got head coaching experience with the Flyers, with the Kings. He won two Stanley Cups with the LA Kings. And so VGK with the hiring of Bruce Cassidy, and now the addition of John Stevens. These are pretty much the framework from what we understand is that they are defensive coaches in nature. So overall, overall, we have to take a look at what this scheme might look like. And that the fact that we know now that the system will definitely be revamped. But the biggest question is, will fans like this new system? Will they take to a new system? That could be more defensive in structure. Um, a couple things there. Number one, the system doesn't matter. The players on the ice doesn't matter. Who's behind the bench doesn't matter. If the team is winning, and, th- and this is transposable, not just for BGK, but for any NHL franchise. If your team is winning, life is good. I'd much rather win games two to one than lose nail biters five to four. Um, so that's, I think, the first thing that needs to be said like I said, it doesn't matter who's on the ice. I know there's all these crazy roster things happening and such, but at the end of the day, if you win a cup, VGK fans are not going to care if Marc-Andre Fleury is the one 
carrying the cup around or not. Uh, looking at what and the most interesting thing I find is the amount of time that John Stevens crossed paths with Daryl Sutter. Obviously, we know Daryl Sutter has tons of success all around the league, and not just uh, his personal success, but his family's success and all his brothers and everything. So John Stevens was with the Kings starting in the 10-11 season all the way up through 18-19. Daryl Sutter was there from 11-12 all the way to 16-17. So basically five, six years working alongside Daryl Sutter, an extremely old school coach who is going to be defense first. So I certainly wonder how much uh, John Stevens soaked up, how much knowledge that is from Daryl Sutter. And, you know, you look at John Stevens' history, is at some point, is he going to make another run at being an NHL head coach and not the, not the too far distant future? This is, a, you know, a step down in a sense as he was, uh, you know, coaching just recently a few years ago. Well, you know, if he stays here uh, three years, he'll be the head coach here. <laughs> Two and a half is the average. Two and a half is the average. Okay. So <laughs> Kelly McCrimmon, called uh, John Stevens, a well-respected coach, 386 games as an NHL head coach, 480 AHL head coaching games that he has been behind the bench. And you will like this. He is really good with the development of players. And then uh, something that we might touch on later this week. uh, Okay, so the Flyers in 07 and 08 had seven 20-goal scorers and had three defensemen with 30 points. So, again, that kind of counteracts what we were getting at there with the theme and it being defensive because his teams are able to score. And, again, they will play well off of the rush defensively, and they will be able to, uh, again, play well in transition. And so, for me, though, I thought that it was an interesting question that one of our fans brought up, uh, Chris, on our Twitter handle this week. Uh, does VGK have uh, seven twenty goal players on this roster? And we can answer that later this week. Hmm. We'll answer that later this week, but that's an well, interesting question. So we'll get into that, but I think we need to kind of massage that a little bit more. But here again is John Stevens with that experience interviewed for the head coaching position with the devils. Didn't get it in 2020. Uh, the one game that stands out for me this season with Dallas was when they beat the Avs, when the Avs were on that run. The Avalanche were 20-0-2 on that run, remember? And I watched the game, and they defeated the Colorado Avalanche 4-1. to They did it defensively, and in that game, they had 29 block shots, 29 block shots in that contest. And so that might be the type of effort that we are going to see out of the VGK this upcoming season and in the future under Bruce Cassidy and under John Stevens. Yeah, you go back to season number one, and that was a, I won't necessarily say defense first, but it was a much tighter defensive units with a lot of relentless forechecking and just battling for the puck and such. And I feel like under the DeBoer era, that just kind of went away along with, you know, our identity and such, which was mentioned so many times in the locker cleanout identity and the system and things like that. So, you know, Cassidy hopefully is bringing a new system that the players will be able to find their creativity in, which was another buzzword uh, throughout the locker cleanouts uh, 
media day and such and the identity and going back to what worked in season one, which was a good, tough defensive unit, but not a lot of big defensive names on that unit. I mean, Lucas Spiza, Colin Miller, you know, solid players, but you know, they're not Petrangelo. They're not Theodore. I mean, Theodore we had, obviously Um, they're not Alec Martinez and such like that. So the defense that we have together might fit very well with John Stevens and his pedigree. And maybe this is even a stronger defensive unit than he's had historically with those Kings and Flames teams and such. And you know, even going all the way back to his time with the Blackhawks and the Sharks going in the late nineties and such. So the defense needs to become more involved, definitely, but, uh, but still take care of, uh, you know, take care of home first as well. And I, I can't wait to see how it all works out. Um, I, I was wondering if Cassidy and Stevens had any crossover and they really haven't, it looks like. So I, I find that interesting and a little bit concerning. Um, if I got to take a deeper dive, you look at the goaltending situation with Burke coming in and moving uh, the current goaltending coach around and stuff like that. So there's a lot of things that just really need to gel amongst the coaches right now. And it could work really well, or it might not. Usually the NHL coaches, they, they take their, they got their guy, they, they follow him around and stuff like that. Uh, we saw that with spot and uh, Gallant as well has, has had the same assistant uh, as long as I've been following him all the way back to the days in Florida, even. So, you know, was, um, was Stevens a McCrimmon hire? Was it a Cassidy hire? Um, either way, whether that doesn't matter, I do like the hire. I mean, I think they got this one right. Um, I just hope this wasn't the first or second of uh, what might be a reoccurring battle between GM and coach. And to me, though, it's going to take a while to install a new system, right? They have to retool everything. A lot of these players were used to playing under Peter DeBoer. I just wonder at what point do the players receive some sort of a playbook or more information about what that structure will look like. And then, as we know, NHL training camps aren't very long, aren't very long. And they'll have a few exhibition games to work on some things. But I wonder, you know, if this team will have a slow start because they are changing their system. All fair, all good inquiries. And I know systems do change. Like I remember reading when Dober was first uh, hired in Vegas, replacing Gallant. And there's articles about the players just getting uh, bored out of their minds, watching film over and over of the San Jose Sharks because Gallant uh, obviously was not using that system. DeBoer was, so DeBoer came in and just changed everything. And to be fair, uh, that team did rise and make a, make a deep run in the playoffs that season. So that just shows that the players, I think, can adjust to a degree. These are professionals um, outside of a couple of players. Not a lot of our players are homegrown. So they've gone through this many, many different times throughout their career where there's either a coaching change or they go to a new club and have to change things. And this is where you have to have trust, which scares me, but this is where you have to have trust in McCrimmon and Cassidy, but more or less McCrimmon for making the hire and doing so with the team's interest and pedigree in mind, basically being that this coach is the best person to work on with these defensive skills and things of of that nature. And again, looking at John Stevens pedigree, I, I think it's a good hire. I really do just looking at the, at the history and what he's been doing. And, you know, maybe the step down will be uh, what he needs to do to kind of, you know, get back going again. 
BGK was pretty strong at even strength, but Dallas was 30th in the NHL at even strength this past season. And a lot of the times we saw Dallas struggle to score goals offensively. It's going to be an interesting dynamic. I'm curious to see how things unfold here with this new system, again, under Bruce Cassidy. And I'm sure that John Stevens will have a major influence on what VGK will run. Coming up next, what would VGK have looked like if they kept all of their draft picks? Chris is going to pose that question and address it after this on Lockdown Golden Knights. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the puffs treatment now. That's right, the Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. But stop drooling and listen. They are good for you, low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and all delicious. Coconut Chunk Brownie Puffs are here right now for a limited time only. Go to Built.com. Make sure that you don't miss out. They are going fast because they taste amazing. All Built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Again, delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing right now. Go to Built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk. Built Puffs right now. Go to Built.com and you could use the promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off of your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 at Built.com. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas, where my ears are still ringing from all those fireworks. Thanks for making Locked On Golden Knights your first listen each and every day. It is free and available wherever you get your podcast. And last week, uh, Chris, which kind of like I think got things started for us, was a tweet by Andy Strickland. I think you saw it too, uh, where the Avalanche, they built their organization through the draft. So Nathan McKinnon is a number one draft pick. Landis Gog, a number two. Uh, McCarr, a fourth pick. Uh, Byram was a fourth pick. And Miko Rantanen was a tenth pick. So I think uh, you started to get the juices flowing on that one. And you started to think, what if? What would this team have looked like, the VGK, if they had kept all of their draft picks rather than using them as assets? Yeah, a couple things. So I wonder what the team would look like. And more specifically, we think back to Foley. His very first, uh, one of his first comments was playoffs in three, cup in six. So the perspective that I have is had VGK gone with the day one playbook plan, which would have been to trade away some of the additional assets that they got via expansion draft and just kind of gone the slow routes, would VGK be in a better spot going into season six now versus the path that they are on? And to be fair, some of this isn't VGK's fault. VGK wound up being a competing team for a Stanley Cup season one. So that definitely meant they had to hold on to some people. Like you wonder, Marcheseau, Riley Smith, um, even James Neal, and just all of those top six players that we had would any or even all of those players been traded for additional draft picks. 
And you go back and look at the 17 draft, just where some of these players are right now and how they're doing. Uh, Cody Glass was our highest VGK drafted. Obviously, that's not working out right now, unfortunately. That might work out down the road, but right now, Cody Glass is uh, you know well-traveled around the NHL and the AHL for multiple franchises now. But then you go back, you got Suzuki, who's doing well in Montreal. Uh, Brandstrom is developing as a real strong defenseman. And even going back to that 17 draft, uh, we got LeCision, Ron Beard, uh, Zukov, we haven't seen much of. Uh, Lucas Elvins, he's uh, down in Henderson, Jack Dugan. Uh, Nick Campbell, not a lot, but then Patera and Ben Jones, both mainstays in the, in the AHL. And then you kind of go up and look at some of the other drafts, and it gets thinner throughout as far as names that you simply recognize from either the NHL or AHL level. Uh, 2018, you got like uh, Dilbiatore, you got Paul Cotter, uh, Morozov, who was developing, Peyton Krebs in 2019, um, Isaiah Seville, who was basically the second or third goalie down in Henderson and such. So ultimately where I'm going with this is season one obviously caught everybody off guard, including VGK leadership. I don't care who you are, there's no one in that boardroom after the, after the expansion or the, yeah, the expansion draft saying this is a Stanley cup team. Just stop it right there. No one was saying that and things, uh, you know, played out extremely differently. Uh, that, and Tony actually kind of beat me to the punch there. So I'm glad you pulled that up. So just looking at some of the avalanche, some of their recent drafts, 2017 was the Kale McCarr draft, who oddly that was two picks ahead of Cody Glass. If uh, Maybe uh, he could have fallen a couple of spots. Could VGK have had Kale McCarr? Uh, who knows about that? Going obviously much deeper, uh, they got McKinnon, uh, Rantanen. And then looking at some of their recent drafts, uh, Martin Kaut's been up to the NHL level before. Um, Bo Byram, Alex Newhook in the 2019 draft, uh, both a couple of, of, dra- of, of first-round uh, prospects, pardon me there. So I just wonder if VGK would have loaded up on more draft picks and then some of the trades that they've made, starting with uh, getting Tomas Tatar and all the other deals that were made where we had to give up draft capital, would VGK be in a better spot to compete for a Stanley Cup right now? than they currently are. And I think it is a reasonable discussion to have. I mean, yes, VGK has been a cup contender since day one uh, minus last year because of the injuries. And even if you take the injuries away, I think they still could have competed for a cup. Although I think everyone universally feels there's a big gap between Colorado and VGK just after that amazing season. So what if we would have had all these draft picks. I mean, would McCrimmon have developed them the right way and put them in the right places along with uh, the coaching staff? That's obviously another discussion for another time. Um, But I do think VGK could have possibly been in a better spot, maybe not necessarily for season six, but for seasons seven through 12 and beyond, you'd have to think players like Alex Tuck, even Peyton Krebs, would be leading the offense right now with a bunch of kids. And this would be the time it would all start to gel and come together, I think. Well, you know, Bruce Cassidy, as we know, favors veterans. He does like to have mm-hmm. a veteran team. And I know you're talking about the development of some of the farmhands for VGK. Uh, and then, oh, yeah, over the weekend, see where uh, DeBrusque uh, rescinded his trade request now that Cassidy, Bruce Cassidy's gone. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so interesting around here. Now, we don't know how much of that is a result, but you have to read into it uh, that it was a result, perhaps, of 
uh, a falling out between Cassidy and DeBrusque. And, uh, you know, why does VGK, I feel like from the start of this, uh, this ride here in Las Vegas, why does VGK, I think, more or less view, I just is just my perception that they view their draft picks as liquid assets and they don't really care so much about developing them as much as using them as trade bait. Is that the right viewpoint? No. <laughs> um, I, I get the, and I think part of this was forced from season one. Like I said um, in my rant a few minutes ago, just that caught everybody off guard. So it was okay. Let's, let's instead, you know, change our mindset and let's win now. And they've been doing that, you know, all the way up until, you know, what's coming up and looking at our contract situation, this team is win now for at least the next four or five years. That is not going to change. You're going to see a team that's going to be up against the salary cap. You're going to see a team that is trying to mine, if you will, uh, some talents and hope that they just, you know, hope that they blossom at a cheap price. Uh, someone like a Nick Waugh, for example, and players along uh, those lines and some of these lower end trades that we're going to make where these players might end up, you know, becoming just these real strong assets on the ice for us. Um, I don't necessarily think from a long-term big picture perspective, that's the way to go. But now look at what VGK has created as far as the fans go. The fans want to win now. The fans want to win now. And it's going to be like that every single season for a while. We're spoiled. We got to see the Stanley cup lifted on home ice in season number one. And we've had teams that have been capable of going deep and making runs conference finals twice after that Um, injuries after that, unfortunately slowed down season five, but every single VGK roster for seasons one through five has been a Stanley cup competing potential roster, if you will. And that's not going to change. And unfortunately that's what the fans have been conditioned for. Had we done what we were supposed to do season one, lost uh, almost every game and (laughs) had another high draft pick in 2018, then sure, you know, maybe things might be a bit different, but right now they're going to build this team to win every single year and it's going to catch up to us. It's already starting right now with all the injuries that we had. That was a lot of bad luck and just a lot of crazy situations, but we still had an old roster. The older players get the more likelihood that it is they're going to get injured. That's just how it is in life and in sports next year, the season that the team is going to be a year older and it's going to be a year older. And depending on what happens with uh, players like stone and Petrangelo and uh, Pacioretty and all these over 30 something players, Alec Martinez and these huge contracts. I think every player I said was five or 6 million plus right there. You know, in two years from now, we're going to have probably about 40 million of our roster tied up with players 35 or older. Let's think about that for a second. That's not good. And it's draft week coming up, and perhaps we will see VGK uh, part with one of those big contracts. Uh, Could be trade bait, right, Uh, to work on some sort of a deal. Um, Coming up, the draft is this Thursday. Yeah, no doubt. And I'll be curious to see how that shakes out. If VGK actually does try and make a run, you know, for trading someone to acquire a high pick. I mean, just looking like at the 2018 draft, some of the higher talent that was out there that, you know, perhaps VGK could have had if it wasn't for all the, uh, the success. Um, the Sabres drafted Rasmus Dahlin, then the Hurricanes, Shemeshnikov, uh, Canadians, Koken Niemi, uh, Brady Kachuk, Barrett Hayton, Philip Zadina, Quinn Hughes, 
you know, so, I mean, you just look at those players right there. And if VGK could have had one of those, you know, top uh, 10 or so talents, how things even could be different right now. Unfortunately, no picks in, in round one that year. I think that was, God, did, did we give up first round picks for Tomas Tatar? Did that really happen? Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, that's not too good. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm trying to find that right now. I think they did. Eyes. Yeah, I want to say they did. And, yeah, you know, gonna, again, that's give me 30 seconds. My internet's working pretty good today. So let's see. Well, but uh, that's what I've been saying, though, is that I, I think that they're using these uh, a lot more as uh, liquid assets. And uh, in, in the draft, is there someone that they could target to move up? They don't have anything. They gave up uh, their uh, first round draft pick to Buffalo in the Eichel trade. So, uh, yeah, they don't have much going in this draft. VGK gave up a first. Mm-hmm. A second? Yeah, it was bad. And right? hold on, stop cutting me off. And a third, Tony, <laughs> for Tomas Tatar. Jeez. I mean, I can't hear you on the George other end. These fireworks from last night. How does George McPhee keep his job after that trade? Like, no, uh, how? Like, even if VGK drafted in the bottom 20, um, Keandre Miller was down there. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicholas Bodine from Chicago was down there. Joe Valeno from Detroit was down there. I mean, you know, just, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Even the second round, there's some just uh, Ryan McLeod, some familiar names that are already at the NHL level doing well right now. Um, oh, my goodness. It's, it's yikes. I'm, I'm sorry for bringing that up, folks. That that, that was painful. I'm, I'm, I'm shaking up after bringing up that trade. <laughs> yeah, I remember a first-round pick. I didn't remember much more about that deal. Uh, but that's an all-time clunker. And, again, there should be more accountability in that front office. Coming up next. Will VGK go for the block as Pacific Division teams try to match VGK's roster? We'll get into that right after this. You're listening to Locked On Golden Knights. This episode brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for you and for your local auto chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time, save money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from the auto chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto, a family-owned business serving do-it-yourselfers for the past 20-plus years. Rock Auto prices reliably low for each and every customer. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or for your truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Again, rockauto.com. Go to the uh, part where it says, how did you hear about us? And simply write in locked on so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Thank you for making us your first listen each and every day, free and available wherever you get your podcast. And Chris, last week we saw where the L.A. Kings traded for Kevin Fiala, and now 
they appear to be targeting Philip Forsberg, the free agent. PGK, the one thing we know about this franchise, does not care about the salary cap. So the question that I have to pose, and we saw another name pop up here that's available, that's Alex DeBrinkett. And uh, the Flyers are trying to cut a deal with Chicago. And uh, now Chicago says that Philadelphia will not give up the number five. for, But for a price, uh, Alex DeBrinkett could be had. Does VGK go in for the block if a team in the Pacific Division tries tries to outdo VGK at their own game and shine uh, go after the shiny new new toy? It wouldn't surprise me, and nothing should surprise any one of us when it comes to uh, some of these decisions that are made and such. You know. It, there's a plan. There is a plan somewhere on some whiteboard or some email or some packet or some PowerPoint presentation for success for season six in VGK. And if that whiteboard says something along the lines of acquire Alex Debrinkett or Philip Forsberg or a player along those lines, then so be it. If the whiteboard even says something along the lines of block the LA Kings from acquiring high-level talent or bid them up maybe is a better way to put that. You know, just don't get stuck with it like at an auction when you're trying to bid up someone like that because that would just completely backfire. You know, but if that is part of the plan, fine, so be it. If this is on-the-fly changes and McCrimmon panicking perhaps watching something happening and then, you know, having to go to a plan B for VGK for season six, that's where the concern would definitely come. You know, there's a process. He mentioned stick to the process, as you would put that, I'm sure. He mentioned stick to the process over and over. And that includes him. Uh, You can't panic. You can't get worried when your foes around you are making deals because VGK is one of the teams that's being chased. And VGK is already the chalk for the Pacific for next year. So don't necessarily panic. Um, Now, if you can get someone like a Debrinkit or a Forsberg and, you know, if you're simply improving from William Carlson and something along those lines, you know, I mean, William Carlson and Nick Wild leave and we get Alex Debrinkit, fine. We'll we'll, we'll be just fine if that happens. Debrinkit is an outstanding talent, as is Forsberg. Um, Do we simply, you know, you look back to the Nate Schmidt trade um, going into uh, what season number three a trade that caught Schmidt off guard, but we had just uh, acquired Petrangelo and we had to shed, I think there's a certain time period when you have to shed contract. I think you can exceed and don't quote me on this. I'm, I was trying to find it while you were uh, doing our reads and such, but I think during the off season, you can for a certain time period, exceed the salary cap by 10%. Yeah. But you have That's to, right. you have to make a move immediately. It's, it's a very small window. So as a result, Nate Schmidt was traded not only for a low-end draft pick, I think it was a third round or something. It, it was low. It didn't feel like it, the compensation was worth Nate Schmidt's um, and also trade within the division. So unfortunately, the entire NHL knows when you do make a deal and sign a high-level free agent, you have to make a trade. And no one is going to offer you a premium or a, com- a comparable value, if you will, for said player because they know you have to trade that player. So that's the other thing to look at if they do make a big deal. And I mean, listen, William Carlson isn't going to bring a third round pick. He might not even bring a, a fifth round pick in a regular trade. 
he sure as heck ain't going to bring a seventh round trade should we go and acquire someone along those lines. And I think that's also part of the reason Riley Smith is not being officially announced as being re-signed until right around when free agency is going to start. Just, just about that to say extends that. that clock where we can exceed the salary cap. Yeah, just about. The, I was just about to say that because by next week, Riley Smith should be uh, signed, sealed, and delivered for that three-year at $5 million deal. And then they're going to, the dominoes begin to fall, right, at that point? Exactly. I mean, obviously what free agency, I think, is the 13th or 14th. The trade is this week. So this is go time. This is a, you know, this is the time where you and I don't got to go to the well too hard to find stuff to talk about. The next uh, probably seven to 18 days will be very, very interesting because now we'll get our first glimpse at what this VGK roster is really going to look like. There could be wholesale changes. I mean, you know, Pat Charetti, um, Carlson, Alec Martinez, I think are the big three that have question marks. And then going a bit deeper, March or so is a big question mark. Stevenson is, or Chandler Stevenson, way exceeding his output could wind up, you know, there could be a move made. I mean, all these things like that could and may or may and could happen. It's going to be a very interesting, curious time. And this is the time when we're supposed to trust our general manager to set the course right. And, you know, I don't know if um, uh, I was going to say something, I'll be careful. I'm not going to compare uh, the Crimmins approval rating to anyone else's in high office approval rating, but like, I think the Crimmins approval rating is I thought you were going to talk lower. about his eyebrows again. You like to- no, his eye- no, we're going to we'll leave those alone. But uh, I was going to get a little more touchy and talk about the president, but we're, we're going to keep, we're going to move forward from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd like to uh, again thank uh, Tyler Palmer for joining us on last oh, week's fun. show. That was so much fun and a lot of great response. A lot of his family members uh, tuned in and listened to that. And we wish him the best of luck this week. That would be great if VGK uh, somehow winds up with Tyler Palmer. Just a really nice guy. And uh, today, big news, uh, San Jose Sharks are set to hire Mike Greer as the first black general manager in NHL history. We'll get into that on tomorrow's show. Also tomorrow, I know you're, I could hear the, the gears turning right now. Oh, uh, seven, 20 goal scorers. Does VGK have it in them like the Flyers of 07, 08 under John Stevens? Three defensemen, 30 points. Yeah, that's achievable. I think they had three defensemen that had 30 points. Yeah, this year. Perhaps. Um, I think so. I'm not okay. looking. I mean, Off I, I was, don't have the stat in front it's of not, me. At the well, moment, it's not even yeah, hockey it's... season. We're a little bit out of hockey mode. But yeah, this is, it's going to be interesting. Very interesting week ahead. Again, uh, the draft coming up on Thursday. Next week, we get into free agency. And we're, we've not been reaching for any sorts of topics on this show. They're coming to us, man. That's fair. <laughs> it, it hasn't been that hard. I mean, we haven't had too many conversations <laughs> where... You know, maybe some of the Friday shows we, we've we've had to dig a little bit, but otherwise we've been okay. Mondays have been great. Yeah, and we'll have we already have two thirds of the show planned out for tomorrow. Chris, right? We thank we thank everyone for tuning in once again. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. And again, Locked On Golden Knights is free and available wherever you get your podcast. For my man, Chris Golick. We actually didn't come down to the wire on time today. Nice. I'm Tony Cardasco. We thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back here tomorrow, right here on Locked. You know what the topics are already for tomorrow's show. I'm we'll ready. be back again tomorrow on Locked On Golden Knights. Take care.